From the Vallejo Zen Center in Vallejo, California, this is To Practice in Interesting Times with Zenki Mary Mosin, a periodic discussion of Zen practice and how it aligns with an ever-increasingly turbulent political world. Welcome. Remember when presidential elections were a time when the whole family got together and watched the results come in slowly over the evening on one of the three networks and, you know, discussed things? Well, unless you're over 25, probably not. Presidential elections have become a sort of grand guignol of American psychology, pushing the limits of what we will admit in public that we are. Perhaps now we have admitted too much. Perhaps we are regretful of the fact that once this draws to a close, we have to reckon with ourselves as a nation, and it's gone too far to pretend that none of it ever happened. Okay, here we are, November 3rd, just a couple of days before the actual election. Did, uh, did, you, did you mail in a ballot, or are you going in? I have to. I have it. I actually figured it out. I just have to mark it. I have a sample ballot ready to go. And, oh, that's right, because you're going to be in... I'm going to be doing voter protection work in uh, Reno. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you... I'm curious, how do you sign up for that sort of thing? How do you get involved? I know you've done it for a long time. Right, so that makes it easy. Uh, there's a... In Nevada, the Democratic Party has something called... I think it's called Nevada Victory Council or something. And uh, it, they recruit lawyers to go and... Some some of some be poll watchers, and um, also staff a hotline, and what's called the boiler room. Well, I think the boiler room is people that are really experienced in like election law or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think they like having lawyers do the uh, voter protection work, particularly because if there's a problem, then a lawyer can probably interview somebody and write a declaration that could be used as evidence and stuff like that and can do it really easily. Ah, so, yeah, that makes sense. And um, whatever, when I've done it, I have yet to uh, encounter an actual problem. Where we are, I mean, I guess where we are is, is exactly where we probably should have guessed we'd be about a year ago, and which is that this has, the rhetoric's turned thermonuclear at this point. But let me take that back. I'm not sure that we can call it rhetoric anymore. Um, there certainly is some of that, but a lot of what we're starting to see now is just, I mean, flat out factual, horrible things. Um, we were talking about the Access Hollywood uh, statement, which everyone I'm sure has heard about to death, but I mean, it's, it, it's horrifying. And, and that's that's not rhetorical. That's just something we heard. Um, we start to get to a point, I think this makes our job here very difficult. We start to get to a point where as much as we're trying to be uh, reasonable, we're trying to uh, be kind and we're trying to not judge, it's becoming very, very hard to not judge. It's not about not judging. It's not about not discriminating. It's not about not having boundaries. Kindness doesn't necessarily mean that you roll over and say, oh, okay. Kindness may be <clears throat> saying that's unacceptable. Yeah. 
And I think we are. We've been there for a long time. And the, the, the difficult, what I think is hard, is not hating in the process. In other words, you, you don't have to hate Donald Trump. You don't have to hate his supporters, mm-hmm. even the <laughs> Hillary's word, the deplorables. <laughs> uh, you don't have to hate them. And, but that's, it's hard not to hate them. Yeah. And it's also, for me, I'm frightened. And, and when I, I know myself, I know that when I'm frightened, I can lash out. And I know that when I'm frightened, it's easy to go to hating because it makes me feel a little safer. Yeah. And <clears throat> that's what I have to pay attention to. However, none of that... Uh, precludes my going to work for Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. and for oh, that woman, Catherine Cortez Masto, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the woman who's running for Senate in Nevada, because yeah. I see myself as working for her also. Um, Maybe almost more significantly. That's right. And so, uh, um, those I don't think those two are incompatible. Because being a human being in the world, you have to discriminate. Yeah. I don't mean that in the sense of racism, but in the sense of you have to make choices. So that's okay. It's the attachment to them and, they, and they're going to the next step and hating the, you know, making other. Right. That's the problem. Well, because I, you know, I, I spent a lot of time, uh, how do I describe this? I spent a lot of time trying to justify things that seemed irrational. Um, trying to justify why people that that I like or that I care about or that are in my family mm-hmm. um, are, are supporting something that seems very unreasonable to me. And I found a lot of reasons and just one by one they've kind of proven not exactly to be true. And maybe, tell me if this is what you're suggesting, maybe uh, I'm heading down the wrong road. If I'm trying to find a reason, uh, I'm, I'm trying to find a logical reason not to hate, to not be angry, and maybe the point is just don't because it's bad to do. That's right. Quite simple. <laughs> and, and, and there's there's plenty of reason not to, but it isn't, you don't have to, you don't have to say to yourself, it doesn't have to be, well, yes, I understand he's frightened because he lost his job in a steel mill and therefore, or uh, he's, uh, he sees that he's a minority now in his own town and there are all these black and brown people living there and, and it's sort of racist, but it's also just the, sort of the fear of something different. And so, okay, I could understand it. Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, maybe, probably, but that's, it's not necessary. Just don't hate them. Yeah. Just don't hate them. It doesn't mean you have to then agree with them, or that does, it doesn't mean you don't counter him and do everything you can to get somebody else elected. And maybe down the road, See if you can open that other person up a little bit, but you know it's it's crazy to try to do it now. Yeah. And so you just kind of leave them alone, or just love them and give them a piece of pie or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And, and, uh, but what I want to say about Hillary Clinton is that, because, is that there, there are people who point, I think, to a false equivalency. Like that they're both, um, being, uh, doing a lot of attacking. Mm -hmm. But hers, I think, are mostly calling out his misogyny and his unfitness, and I want her to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think she's done it skillfully. Yeah. And it's very difficult for a woman to do that. You know, I mean, a lot of it is in ads, and it's not her, but some, but she does do it. And, and uh, it's a fine line, because a woman saying things like that, uh, or, or asserting herself in that way, can easily be seen as a bitch. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that people will react against it. And right. So it's hard. And, and I admire her, and I'm grateful to her for using the platform that she has to name what's going on because it is it is frightening and and it it I hope that it you know that he loses I hope that it doesn't become the law of the land and I hope that the Republican Party members who have fostered this for years now um, will will learn something from it. I don't I don't know if they will, but I hope so. Well, they're they're taking a pretty big beating thus far, as far as the polls go, um, and it does look likely that she's going to win, but you don't know. But not as likely as it did a few days ago. I know. You know, and and uh, Nate Silver says, well, it may be partly the the Comey letter. Mm -hmm. But it's also true that it was already starting to tighten up, and that that's what races do, and you don't know right. what what's what. Um, so I don't I don't know, but I find it very surprising that so many people are willing to go with him, and I don't know if it's because they hate her so much, and I don't know why they hate her so much. Yeah. I I find this all very confusing. You know, I read an interesting article, actually a friend of mine showed it to me, an interesting article on uh, Vox.com, and um, a, a lot of it was actually based around some, some 538 Nate mm -hmm. Silver polling information, but um, the article was basically, look, we, we want to play out, the, as, as I was saying I was doing earlier, we want to play this out as, well, these are people who haven't been heard in a long time, and, and now they're roaring, or people who are suffering and nobody's been listening for a long while or people that are rural that don't under that, that just think that we're crazy those of us who live in more urban areas and um and he said the the numbers just don't show that to be the case um the the vast or the the, the median income for donald trump supporters is significantly higher than either hillary clinton or bernie sanders supporters was um, and and both are significant. Both numbers are significantly higher than the median income in the country. Hmm. Um, so you know you, you sort of step back and go, well, what is this? And the article poses, you know, they might just be racist. 
And um, I, I see the argument, um, and I understand where he's going, but I think the thing, the argument that's left out of that article is what you just said, which is they're underestimating how much people hate her. I think, well, you know, there's been, the, the, the Clintons have been, one, she's just an uppity woman. <laughs> yeah. So you see that there was, an, there was a piece about that, about how, you know, she's been disliked since uh, she became uh, visible mm-hmm. in uh, Arkansas. Yeah. And, and you know, there she, she didn't give up her career, mm-hmm. and she was a powerful lawyer. Right. And she kept her name. Mm-hmm. And... She, I don't know, what she, I think she probably wore dresses, I don't know if she wore pantsuits, but, <laughs> uh, you know, she was, she was seen as, as uh, different, and, and especially back then, mm-hmm. it was doubly threatening. So she's just hated, and, and, yeah. and he's hated. He's not, he's not fancy, you know? Right, you're right. Probably pretty fancy now, but he wasn't, and... And like he was like for that he was like some some uh, low life cracker. He was uppity. <laughs> <laughs> and what was it? Who was it that called him the first for the first black president or something like that? Who uh, Clinton? Was, yeah. 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 It was like yeah. Um, oh God! It wasn't Oprah Winfrey. And I, I always want to say Alice Walker. It might have been Alice mm-hmm. Walker. At any rate. Yeah. So, and they, they, they do bring some of it on themselves, and then they get fifty times that. Mm-hmm. I I understand being dissatisfied with Hillary Clinton as a choice for president because because I I find that I am. Um, but I don't hate her. Uh, were there any sort of contention at all, I would certainly vote for her if there was any question in the world. Um, luckily, we're in California and we are kind of privileged not to have to do that if we don't want to. Um, my, my contentions with her have always been, look, you voted for wars that were completely unfounded. I don't know that I want you in charge. Well, she is, she is more hawkish than... Obama and mm-hmm. she is she is close to Wall Street. There was some I don't know what was it probably Colbert I don't know that mm-hmm. I start looking at you know little video clips and nowadays mm-hmm. they have something about you could you could vote for Trump or you could vote for the Republican, <laughs> <laughs> which I actually think is unfair. But I understand yes. it. I understand it. Yeah. But I don't understand what the hatred is, and I mean, I, well, I, I believe it. It's obviously there, and um, with all the uh, the investigating, oh, you know, I talk about it, and I just I get so discouraged that it, it feels to me like it's more the Republicans than the Democrats, and I I, mm-hmm. I really ask myself if I'm just uh, if it's a prejudice, prejudice yeah, you know. Uh, and I watch MSNBC sometimes, and some of the stuff I see seems to me overdoing it, mm-hmm. too partisan. There's so much to say about him. 
you don't need to make stuff up. Yeah. So I, so I, so when I, uh, when I think that it's more the Republicans' fault than the Democrats, I, I take my own conclusion with a grain of salt, mm-hmm. which I think is a, that's practicing with it. Mm. I mean, I think anybody should do that, but for us, that's that's opening the eye of practice and and trying to really see what's going on rather than seeing through the, the too much through the lens of your own opinions or at least knowing that that's what you do so you try to kind of compensate for that and open your eyes eyes farther step back a little bit yeah. and recognize yeah. that there's a but, story you're yeah. looking at but I do think you know this these these uh, ongoing these investigations and investigations and you know like whitewater and all that stuff on and on and on and um, you know it creates a really bad atmosphere or, or McCain saying uh, anybody that she might nominate we're going to block yeah and which what is that yeah and how, and how can you even do that or McConnell <laughs> saying my job from now on is to make sure that that uh, that, uh, that Obama fails when he was first elected right and I'm just boggled by that and I don't I haven't seen the Democrats doing that but you know Republicans might say that it all started with the fight against Bork maybe I mean I, I could see that it's, that was a while ago and it may not be that useful to sort of lay blame the, the question is mm. where do you what do you do how do you go how do you handle it and, but our job it seems to me is to practice as hard as we can with not hating and with understanding where all these people are coming from and I'm sure there's some racism in it I mean we're all racists so why wouldn't they be racist mm-hmm. and 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 I don't think that I mean I, if somebody says that there's a whatever the income level is is whatever it is okay let's accept, accept that's true uh, I think it's maybe it's a an average because he's probably got some a lot of people that have a lot of money what's well, it's, it's a median a so that it kind of accounts for okay. that all right. <laughs> I rejected that word because I know what it means. Anyhow, um, but even so, there are a lot of there are a lot of white working class people yeah. supporting him, and there are a lot of white working class people that have been hurt by the loss of jobs. They think they're all mm-hmm. overseas, or they're all the, the 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 Mexicans took them all. That's not true. A lot no. some went overseas, and a lot are taken by robots. Mm-hmm. But the point is that they're hurting. Yeah. And I keep thinking of uh, Howard Dean saying we have to talk to those guys with the Confederate flag decal and the rifle in the back of their truck. And, and he took a lot of grief for that. Mm-hmm. But he's right. Yeah. And he's right. I think he's right. And and uh, some of the Obama, the Obama campaign the first time around, they, they really worked on uh, talking to a range of people. Right. That... I think it's it's a slow process, and whether it was possible to have some sort of reconciliation, I don't know. I just I'm I'm not kind of going all over the place, but I, you know, there's a wonderful sentence that I first read in Kazantzakis, 
And I think it might be from the Bible or mm-hmm. and or from Nietzsche anyways. What rough beast slouches towards Bethlehem to be born? Mm-hmm. And what's being born in this country is that white people are not going to be in the majority very much longer. Mm-hmm. And that engenders a lot of fear and discomfort. And I was listening to somebody on NPR this afternoon who said that it might have been George Packer who was interviewed by Terry Gross. At any rate, he was he was uh, saying that that Trump appeals to these white working class people that white people didn't used to think of themselves as like an interest group. Yeah. Because you don't when you're when you're the dominant culture or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you don't think of yourself as privileged or as a group or anything. You're just this. You're just how it is. These people are beginning to think of see themselves mm-hmm. as an interest group and a threatened group, and. I don't know how that's going to play out because I, I fear that it's going to get worse before it gets better and how it would get better I'm not sure because you've watched like say England take come to terms I guess you know with not being a world power anymore Yeah, and they seem to have accepted that reasonably well and go on about their business and they have a place in the world and so on mm-hmm. you know maybe I'm naive maybe that's what Brexit is partly about I don't know but well I but, think there's a racial component to Brexit well, for sure yes. yeah but at any rate they have realized that they're not ruling the world anymore and it seems to be okay and, and the French also Mm-hmm. You know, they don't, they gave up their empires. Maybe not willingly, but... No, they, they, but they, it happened, and, yeah. they, and they sort of come to terms with it. And whether we're capable of coming to terms with not being so uh, on top, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And whether white people in this country are capable of coming to terms with not being so dominant I don't know I don't, I don't either I think I think this election cycle maybe this is the one positive thing we could really say about it is that um, it's been a bit of a revelation where we, we've looked around and kind of the corners have gotten illuminated mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we're sort of seeing everybody like it, it, it's, it's like we've, everybody's put their cards on the table now and mm-hmm. we didn't know some of that stuff was being Played or, or we willfully ignored it. But n- now the, there's, there's some sort of reckoning, and I don't mean that in the, the sort of violent, horrible way, hopefully. Well, we'll see. I mean, because it, Packer was saying that it, what was it started with some, oh, Sarah Palin. Mm-hmm. And I'm driving along saying, no, I'm <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Does this is these are the these are the uh, working class white Democrats that, yeah. that went for for Reagan, and and more than that. But that that seems to me that and and well and Nixon's Southern strategy mm-hmm. 
So this has been going on for a long time. And in some sense, it's been part of our country forever. I think of was Andrew Jackson. (laughs) So, you know, but but it is more Mm -hmm. visible now, and it is it is being talked about. And people are talking about classes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Working class, my yeah. God, you know, those would have been fighting words a few years ago. You know, when I, maybe the first one of these that we did, you said something to the effect of, I, th- I think the issue is that we've still not healed the wounds of slavery. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I, I thought, well, yeah, I, I, I sort of see the overarching meaning of that, that there's, there's still this kind of ache. But now, as we get to the end of this, I realize how absolutely right you were. Um, it, it's not just an ache. It is, it is a severe wound. And it's really become illuminated to us. Let the tape show. I'm sitting here nodding. Yeah. <laughs> this is no small thing. We, and, and so we talk about it as, okay, there's, there's literally racial violence in the streets going on right now. I mean, worse than we have seen in a a long time. Um, But we are also talking about what you were just saying, which is white people looking up and realizing they're not going to be in the majority for much longer. And I mean, really not much longer, like 10 years, 20 Mm -hmm. years. And what's going to happen with all of these open wounds when... The, the people that have been telling you to ignore them aren't there to tell you to ignore them anymore. Right. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know. The thing is, if you have, then that's why I think it's important to counter somebody like Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Because he is dumping vast amounts of salt in these wounds. Yeah. And um, exacerbating these wounds. And so... That's and that and that's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. He has he has had something to do with shedding some real light on this these things. Yeah, and that's useful. Mm-hmm. But he's also uh, rubbed a lot of salt into them and and encouraged people to allow their oh I don't know darker part of their natures to to uh, flaunt them rather than hide them or be concerned about them or something. Right. So that's again, he's giving people permission. Yeah, that's and that's that's a problem. Yeah, it's a big problem. Yeah, it is. I was I was listening to uh, Malcolm Gladwell uh, last week. Do you know him? You were the yeah, I do. And <laughs> yeah. Um, he was talking about this idea of moral licensing where um, you will do something uh, sort of, for example, like you will vote for a a black president and use it as a license to be far more racist. uh And uh, he gave some really interesting examples of it. Um, But, you know, and, and, and it turns out that with you know, our current black president, there's a lot of racial violence that have come, has come in the wake of that. Um, and he sort of linked it up to, well, you know, we are very likely to about 
to have our first woman president. So that's going to maybe get ugly too. I just, I just really, I think at the end of the day, what, you know, we're going to come what uh, next Wednesday we'll, we'll, it'll all be over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I think we're going to, um, we're going to kind of look up at that point and then realize that, okay, boy, we've all said a lot of things and we've all done a lot of things and, and we've exposed a whole bunch of open wounds and, and maybe that's when we really have to start dealing with it. Right. Well, and she's somebody who can, if, if she will be allowed to do it. But uh, because yeah. she doesn't, because she is a politician, and she doesn't take these things as personally as other people might, I think. And I'm, and now I'm about to conflate her with her husband. <laughs> these, conf- these Clintons, they know how to triangulate. You know? So I don't know, but if, if I think that she may be one of the best people. To, to have a shot at healing, I don't, I don't think that it's possible right now. I think that mm-hmm. I fear, I think, I think and I fear that this, this uh, change in the makeup of our um, population mm-hmm. and our culture really has to play itself out. Yeah. And, well, and, and I don't think it's going to happen, you know, if, you know, if we're lucky, it, It'll be done or, you know, sort of eased somewhat because it'll be over. The right. shift will have happened in maybe 10 years or more likely 20. But don't you think, I mean, I don't think we can count on the president or, or politicians to fix it at this point. I think we're going to have to heal this. Well, you need to heal what you can. Yeah. And... And it has to start each of us with ourselves, with starting to with noticing our own racism mm-hmm. and our own problems, and uh, and you know, there's that wonderful King lecture that I talk about once a year mm-hmm. about not hating, and you know, start out by what is it? You know, look at the uh, don't worry about the dust mote in your brother's eye. Worry about the bored in your own, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, it's true. And look at what you might have done to add to the problems. Right. You know, the, the smart remarks you made, or mm-hmm. you know, I, I just delete stuff from my cousin in the Midwest who voted for Trump, and I don't, I don't approach her about this stuff right. at all. And, and she sends, she doesn't send a lot of political stuff. She sends stuff about the Snow and the she lives in the um, she she's an uppie in the upper peninsula mm-hmm. of like Wisconsin is it and uh, she writes about the deer in the backyard it's, I mean yeah it's perfectly innocuous and sometimes I look at it but mostly I don't I, I had a conversation with an aunt of mine from Texas who uh, w- was supporting Trump and. We talked about it for a minute, and I said, you know, I, I, I disagree with you, but whatever you do, I love you. Mm-hmm. And and that was it. And she was like, great, you didn't have to discuss it any more than that. Yeah, and, uh, and I want it. You know, I do. 
I want to ask people like that. I want to say what I, I want. This is what I want to say, mm-hmm. and I know that I can't say it the way I want to say it. Which mm-hmm. is, how can you believe that? I know. And the other, but let me tell you, I got I, I get on these these um, distribution lists, email lists from various temples around the country, and I don't even know why. But I, <laughs> I it's just interesting to me, so I don't write say you know. I'm not. It doesn't matter to me if it's a snow day. Yeah. <laughs> but there was this one, and I don't even know what they meant by it. It was somewhere uh, in Michigan or Chicago. It wasn't Tigan. It wasn't because I. But it was something about it. It. Uh, it doesn't really matter what really happened. It matters how you feel about it or something mm-hmm. like that. And I just thought, oh. That's it. Sounds exactly like Newt Gingrich. You know, it, it, did you see that that interview, that little thing where he? It was a woman. She's a CNN. Um, it was Megyn Kelly, or, or, I think. Or, no, it wasn't Megyn Kelly. Oh, it wasn't Megyn Kelly. It's Fox News. No, it was hmm. Megyn Kelly. Was a very recent one, but but um, it was a woman from Fox, from CNN. Anyway, but it doesn't matter. She mm-hmm. she was talking to him. And uh, he said that crime rate is just horrible. It's really gone through the roof. And she said, no, right. that's not the case. As a matter of fact, crime is down in this country. No, it's up. <laughs> but the, the FBI da, 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 yeah. says it's down. Do you, isn't, do you think they're like a biased source or something like that or a partisan source? No. Well, they say it's down. And but the the murder rate the murder rate is up in a couple of cities, but overall mm-hmm. it's down. And in most cities it's down, mm-hmm. and that's the case in the country. Well, people feel like it's up. And she said, "Well, but in fact it's down." Yeah. And he, he basically said, "I don't care what the facts are. Yeah. I'll go with what people feel." Yeah. And it was frightening, and especially when you think of him as an opinion maker. And Mulder, and so if he tells people it's up, mm-hmm. they're going to believe it's up. They want to believe it's up, right? In that those people are doing it and so on, because they're scared, and so he just plays into that. So this this thing from this uh, Zen Center, you know, I don't know what they meant by it, mm-hmm. and it's true that what you feel certainly colors what you think and what you see but I don't see that as a good thing and it just right. sets me up isn't that a big this. part of what we're trying well, to and do and I don't know what the person meant by it because it just said like it had this little thing mm-hmm. saying it and then it said please ponder this or something so you couldn't tell that, it, that whoever wrote that think that was a good idea right. or not you right. know and uh, um, I couldn't resist and I wrote back this sounds like it's straight out of the alt-right playbook <laughs> and I never I didn't get a response so I don't know yeah I don't know what they thought of that but but I think sometimes um, we can get too sort of la 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 and um, well that's a whole other thing so I won't, I'll stop with that but but at any rate it's it's very important come back to where we started it's very important I think to see clearly mm-hmm. and to be willing to say no and to be willing to set limits and boundaries and say this is unacceptable 
Right. But it's not, it's, it's also, it's very important to work with the hating. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably the thing that most of us struggle with the most. I mean, we can, setting boundaries is difficult, but often we can manage, especially when pushed <laughs> too far. But we just get wrapped up in the anger and we get wrapped up in the hate. That's right. And it's fun, too. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's fun to read the Daily Coast things and so on. And, and, it, uh, it's fun. It's also a, a defense mechanism. It's protective as well. That's right. And, and that's, another, you know, that's part of the not hating is we have to be willing to hurt. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. We don't want to. We don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading this book by um, uh, Tara Brock. You know her? The name sounds familiar, but I don't know. She's she's a, a, a Zen teacher, and she's also a PhD in psychology. Um, it's called Radical Acceptance. It's really good. But she was talking about this idea of of wrapping things up and, and like hiding them in your body, mm-hmm. and and how it, and just like sometimes you'll do that you'll fester some anger in there, or you'll do something to protect an emotion there. Mm-hmm. She's like, but eventually. Mm-hmm. The bill comes due, and and your body will pull out that bill and say, "Okay, now you got to deal with this." And I think you know when we're using anger or hatred to kind of protect something sensitive, eventually that's going to come due. That's well, and it's it may not be that now you have to deal with it. It may come due more like it's going to bite you in the butt, or you're going to lash out and bite somebody else. Yeah, you're going to act it out. Yeah, so. Which is a, a different kind. Uh, maybe that's included in what you meant by coming due, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have to deal with it directly. I wish it did, but yeah. I think that if you don't, it's going to get you. <laughs> but it may get somebody else too, which is doubly unfortunate. Yeah. Um, I think we should draw to a close, but I had one more thing that I'd just been thinking about, and I wanted to see if this struck any bells with you. Um, and I will totally admit that I was, I, I've thought about this before, but it popped up again because I was listening to Hamilton. And, um, and I was thinking about, and I've always been really impressed by uh, this, this moment in American history where George Washington quits. And, um, and so I was thinking, you know, here's a guy who's a war hero, mm-hmm. comes home. Uh, they say, you've got to be president. We need someone to hold the republic together. He goes, okay. He does a term. He says, okay, I'm going to head back to my farm. And uh, they say, no, 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 You need to stay and hold the republic together. We're not, we don't have our legs under us yet. And he goes, okay. And he does another term. And then basically by that third term, they're about to make him king. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what's going to happen. He's going to be in that role for the rest of his life. And they're just going to take on the thing that mm-hmm. they just got away from and Washington turns around I mean you know this story Washington turns around and says no this is bad Uh, this is not what we wanted and I want to go back to my farm I want to go live out my days on my farm and it just you know with all the hubbub of this election Mm -hmm. to me it's very helpful to think you know the point of this is to get back to our farm (laughs) The point of this is not to rocket to power and 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 you know m- m- you know move mountains, <laughs> and, but 
that that's not why we're doing this, but I think we're losing sight of that. That's right. I think we lost sight of it a long time ago. Yeah. And uh, the trouble is, it's so hard to run for office, and it's so hard to put up with what you have to put up with, and to do what needs to be done to raise money and, and to campaign and so on, that it seems to only draw people who are ambitious for it, is my experience yeah. working in democratic politics in Oakland and stuff. But, mm -hmm. um, Hopefully, it's somebody who is not just motivated by power. Right. But there ha it just seems like there has to be that kind of ambition, or there's uh, you you wouldn't do it. So as I used to think, you know, you wouldn't do this if you weren't nuts. Right. And the the people that I saw, you know, running for office are the people in the Democratic. Uh, club in Oakland, the Montclair Greater Oakland Democratic Club, mm -hmm. which is now the Greater Oakland Democratic Club, because they realized that this Montclair... Yeah. <laughs> At any rate, um, you know, there was I knew a bunch of people there, and, and uh, I, I liked them. I was sort of, you know, I was on the progressive wing, mm -hmm. but at any rate, I liked them. But I came to realize that most of the the younger ones, at any rate, the ones that weren't 60 already or something, mm -hmm. harbored some ambition to run for office. Hmm. And that that was part of their motivation. Yeah. And uh, I watched Wilson Riles Jr. I was part of his executive committee when he ran for mayor. Oh, and Wilson doesn't have that in him. Mm -hmm. and, and he wasn't very good at it. Yeah. He couldn't he couldn't, you know, make the phone calls to the major donors and do the ask. He was yeah. no good at that. And he's very interested and he's very dedicated, but he didn't have that aggression. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how you do it if you don't have that aggression. And I don't know that that aggression is bad. Uh, too much of it is definitely bad. Yeah. Whether you need some, I don't know. Well, and I mean, in, not to dip back into partisanship, but that might be the best thing you can say about the Clintons is that they do have the aggression and they're politically savvy, but they also do seem to want to do the right things. Yeah, well, there was one answer in the debate where he was going on about her 30 years in public office and why didn't she fix things? And he keep thinking, Mr. Trump, do you have any idea how government works? Yeah. But then she said, yeah, for 30 years I've done this and this and this and this and mm -hmm. this and this and you've been stiffing people at your casinos. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it was a really great answer. And it was. I'm sure it was rehearsed because, of course, he was going to attack her in that way. But that was a really good answer. And yeah. I think it's true that they have been serving people. And Obama has that ambition also. And I don't know. I think you have to have it. I don't know if you... I think so. It looks to me like you do. But yeah. at any rate, uh, somebody like George Washington, I don't know. You know, when we... I, don't, I never met the man. I don't know how much... <laughs> he may have had some of it. He was a general and all. Right. But I just... I, I, I like to keep in mind that the, the ultimate goal is not to... is not to shape nations or to start wars or, or to 
you move money around a lot. The ultimate goal is that, you know, we can all go home and live the lives we want to live. Well, wouldn't it be pretty to think so? <laughs> you know that line? What's that from? The sun also rises. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she runs off with a bullfighter and then Jake has to go rescue her in Madrid. And he's standing in the doorway of her room and she's, the bullfighter left her and she's alone and she's been crying in bed and she's kind of a mess and she starts saying, oh, Jake, if only you hadn't been injured, we would have been together. We would have had, we would have been married and we'd live happily ever after in England and we would have our family and on and on and on. He kind of looks at her and he says, wouldn't it be pretty to think so? <laughs> it's such a great line. Yeah. Because he's not even saying what a pretty idea. He's, he knows better. Yeah. Because she, Lady, she would have been Lady Brett no matter what. Yeah. So she couldn't have sustained that. And who knows what he could have done. I don't know. But uh, at any rate, I love that line. Wouldn't it be pretty to think so? Yeah, that's great. So I don't know that I agree with you. I, I think you're. I think it's a little naive. I just think we're more complicated than that. If you, it's 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 about to me. It's about having your eyes open and not denying it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, years ago, Atasahara, uh, the woman who's now she's the abiding teacher there, Leslie James. She's a wonderful person, a wonderful teacher. Anyway, we were talking about something. I was on senior staff, and there was there was somebody who was having a hard time being in a senior staff position, uh, maybe because of wanting it too much or something. I don't know. I don't even I don't remember exactly. But I remember Leslie saying to me, um, do you like having power? And I said, yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. And she said, so do I. Hmm. And, and uh, it was so refreshing. So we neither one of us were saying that we have some overweening thing. Right. And, and the context may have been that I was the head Doan. I was the person in charge of training all the Doans and scheduling who was going to lead the chanting and who was going to do the drumming and who was going to do the whatever. And uh, and the person who was the Eno in charge of the whole Zendo and ceremonial hoo-ha had had a really hard time and was kind of abdicating. And so I was acting as the Eno. Mm. And, and the question arose, did I... The, parent, the person who was abdicating apparently had suggested that I be given the title of like acting Eno or something. And I, Leslie and I talked about it and I said, I don't think so. Because it lets her, the abdicator, lets her kind of off the hook. Yeah. And I, I am the acting Eno. I was, you know, I walked like a duck on a quack. <laughs> and I had plenty of authority. It was not, it was no issue. About right. It, so it wasn't a problem. And I didn't need, I didn't care about the title or anything. Right. And so it was in that context about like wanting power but not needing power or something mm-hmm. like that, you know. And but that was just, you know, she we both we both like to make things happen. Yeah. And so in that sense, yeah, I like power. Mm-hmm. And I think you need to like it to some extent. Right, but but to to an end yeah. beyond power. Well, but and also for the Clintons that is, they're going home to the farm. Yeah, I guess that's true. That's what they like to do. Yeah. And, uh, and God bless them. 
I got close enough during Wilson's campaign. I absolutely got cured of the, any thought. I never really thought about running for office, but I got to the, if I ever had any such thought, I got cured of it. Yeah. So, but there are people that that's what they want to do. So, as long as it's not uh, unbridled, and as long as it's somewhat, I mean, they I. I never talked to them about it, so I don't know if they shared my view. Mm -hmm. But I would hope that they would have some such people would have some self awareness about it. Right. That it wasn't only to serve, that there was that they were getting something out of it. And that's okay. Yeah. But as long as that's not you know, it's not from what I think it was Trump is with it was it's a, a narcissistic need. Yeah. That's a problem. Join us at the Vallejo Zen Center. We do many informal sits and formal services throughout the week, and there is Zazen instruction available on Saturday mornings if you're new to sitting. The complete calendar, as well as how to contact Mary, is available on our website, vallejozencenter.org. Thanks for listening.